0: Okay, here we are, Staffing and Recruiting, The Real Life Podcast, and we're excited because this is our first episode. We are going to discuss the very interesting topic around bait and switch with candidates. And so to get started, though, we want to talk about our sponsor, and this episode is brought to you by Dworsky Law.
1: Dworsky Law Firm is your total immigration solution law firm. They work on expat visas, employment business visas, green cards, family and business petitions, and of course the H 1B visa.
0: Yeah, and these guys get it. I mean, you know, we all in the staffing and recruiting industry have issues with immigration. And if you need to fix it, you got to fix that bait and switch problem. Let's talk to Dworsky Law at dworskylaw.com. All right, so here we are getting ready to kick off our first episode on the bait and switch. Before we get started, I'd like to introduce the tag team here. I'm Kevin O'Brien. This is Tony Sherwood. Tony, please
1: tell us about yourself. Hey, thanks, Kevin. Yeah, Tony Sherwood, uh, a veteran of the staffing industry, 20 years doing recruiting and account management and new business development. I own and manage a company called CyberSearch in the northern suburbs of Chicago, Uh, My role is currently VP of Business Development. And I think it's really important to know about who I am. And and, and the three sort of passions in my life are sports, movies, and fashion. So, you know, that's a little bit about me. You'll get to know me more as the podcast series continues. But for Kevin, tell me a little about you. So thanks, Tony. Yeah,
0: I'm Kevin O'Brien. I am a partner with a firm called Echo Gravity. We are a marketing agency. Serving the staffing and recruiting industry as one of our verticals, and uh, I'm really excited about this. Um, We've got a ton of great stuff to talk about, and uh, we're just going to flip this industry uh, upside down here. But a little bit about me, Uh, you know, I loved speaking. I've been doing a lot of that lately. Uh, I love reading. I love sports. Who doesn't like sports? Uh, I'm not quite the fashionado, if that's the right word, that Tony is. Fashionista. Fashionista. I'm not the Fashionista. That Tony is, but, um, you know, I try to do okay. You know, as a 50-something guy, you just have to do your best. So anyway, here we are. We're going to kick off this conversation with the uh, bait-and-switch topic. Okay, so staffing and recruiting the real life. Well, listen, uh, Tony and I were sitting around at this conference in Nashville called Staffing Tech, and we're sitting there witnessing a podcast right next to us, and we're like, you know, we could do this, right? I mean, totally. We've got a lot of great ideas. So Tony and I have known each other, I don't know, probably about four or five years now. And we always have these funny conversations about all this crazy stuff that goes on in this industry, right? For sure. And so we're sitting there, we're, we're like laughing about all these great things going on. And next thing you know, we're like, hey, we can do this. And so here we are today to talk about the dark side, the B side, all these other things that happen in the staffing and recruiting industry that nobody's really talking about.
1: Yeah, I mean, Kevin, come on. We, we we see and we go to these conferences and we, we listen to people talk and they talk like it's the perfect world and nothing ever goes wrong and everything's hunky-dory and let's work on ways to improve and be efficient and be more cost-effective and be more profitable. But that's not the reality of staffing and recruiting. Bad things happen every day difficult things happen every day, challenges occur every day, and we don't talk about them. Yeah, it's always don't. the same stuff.
0: Yeah, and so uh you know, we're going to discuss this man behind the curtain concept, right? This bait and switch. You know, we've all been fooled in this game. So I started in the industry in 1990 and it wasn't as prevalent, but you know, as soon as all these H-1Bs flooded the market, as soon as immigration opened up, um, there's a uh, there's a sense of urgency that these people need to get billing. And part of that problem that we face is uh, there's this speed topic, and we're going to talk about the three pillars. Tony's going to jump into that. We've all been fooled, right? It's a it's an interview game and. Are you know, are we talking to the person that's actually showing up? You know, there's a lot of things going on there. And so maybe you can discuss a little bit, you know, the things that you see
1: on a daily basis, Tony, and kind of open up the conversation. Yeah, well, I mean, certainly, Kev, this is this is an example of the wizard of Oz. This is an example of who is the man behind the green curtain. Okay, and every day this problem occurs mainly and solely by the h1b market okay the h1b candidates i'm going to keep it real as as we said okay this is not a problem for those that are a u.s citizen or green card this is a predominant epidemic that occurs with those individuals that are coming from offshore so there's a lot
0: of scenarios that take place right there's um Different ways that this problem
1: presents itself. And so what do you see out there? Well, I see three. Three really sort of prominent ways to do a bait and switch. Okay, there's the classic bait and switch, which uh, a gentleman will provide a resume and will be granted an interview request. And the classic uh, bait and switch happens when the person that interviews is not the person that's resume is reflective. Okay, that's, that's scenario number one. And that's probably the most prominent bait and switch example, okay? Because anybody can interview via the phone, okay? Their buddy, their other friend that has already got a job and can sort of speak to skill sets. So that's, that's really the number one sort of example, okay? But that's not the only one. You think that that's bad, people will go an extra length and they'll actually, when the video interview is requested, They'll literally have the man behind the curtain and the man behind the curtain or the woman, I should say, will be speaking and interviewing for the gentleman or the woman that is in front of the screen.
0: Now, wait, wait. So uh, how does that work? So you're looking at one candidate. Yep. And someone else is answering the questions. Yes. Okay.
1: Someone is answering the questions behind a screen or next to him. He or she might be sitting next to him off the camera.
0: So have you ever seen like a scenario where you're doing this and you can hear somebody or how do they lip sync this together? I mean it's got to be well like this a professional is not a job. Japanese
1: this is not a Japanese movie film. You have to understand this is a this is a real life real time interview. Okay, and we see the mouth moving and other words coming out. There's been so many examples of this. I have an example of where a gentleman—you could see his knees, you could see his legs of the guy sitting next to him. His face is off camera, but his legs are right there. <laughs> oh, you know, and, and what do you do? What do you say when when the client calls you and says, "Uh, we got a little problem here. Uh, we had an interview uh, where Anad uh, Patel interviewed, and next to him is some other character." Who's given them the answers, or actually, in, in in this case, just speaking. And so, you've had this happen to you before. It's happened countless amounts of times.
0: And so, so what do you say? So the clients calling you saying, "Hey, what the hell, right?" And so,
1: uh, what do you say? Well, the first thing is you're embarrassed, right? Listen, the buck stops at the staffing firm. Okay, that's me. Okay, so you have to be accountable. You can't. Hide behind, oh, I didn't know, and I didn't know this was going to happen. But didn't
0: you interview the, exactly? This person, right. I, so was that same person behind the curtain doing this thing, or how did that? Well,
1: that's the, that's sort of the million dollar question. Were we duped? Were we fooled? Did we do a strong enough job vetting? Listen, the, the the responsibility is on the recruiting firm, the recruiters, the account managers. You can't just say I didn't know; it wasn't my fault. You have to accept accountability for when these things happen. And they do happen, and they will happen. So what do you do? Right? Is that the question you're asking me? Yeah. Well, let's get, we'll get back to that. Okay. I think so. You, have, you had three examples you were talking about. Yes. One is
0: the, the resume switch. Yep. The next one is the, the Japanese movie. Yep. Great,
1: great analogy, by the way. Thank you. And then the third one is what? Well, the third one is, is literally someone will interview via the phone, via video. They will pass both screens. They will love the individual and they will confirm the individual for the job. And then what happens? uh, The person will start either a week or two later, show up to the project. And, well, as you might expect, the person that interviewed on the phone and in video is not the person that showed up. Now, do they even look alike? That's the thing. Like, they got one guy who looks like Chevy Chase, and they got the other guy that looks like, you know, John Travolta. Like they don't look alike. Like it's obvious, you know. They're 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 getting the right sex part right. You know, we got male on male or female on female. But beyond that, there is not a single recognizable trait that you would think that it was that person.
0: So how do you pull that off? I mean, so this guy shows or girl, shows up and says, "Hey, I'm John Travolta," and the client's like, "Well, I ordered a Chevy Chase." And so what the hell, right? So right. does this person just walk in and start working and coding or they're like, no, nah, no, nah, I, I, I ordered up a Chevy chase. So you go back and bring me back a Chevy chase.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and, and so it is the ultimate egg on your face. Uh, this can't happen, but it does. And, and so, it, so give me the last time this happened with you. What, what did you do then? This, what happened? So, okay. The, so this happened about, about 45 days ago. Okay. Uh, I had, we, we went through audio, a phone call. We went through a Skype phone call uh, with our recruiting team. And then our client did a phone call and then followed up with a video Skype and passed with flying cars. It was the same person, all four interviews, two with our firm and two with the client. Okay. So they confirmed him and following Monday, that individual showed up and it was not the same person. So is this person local to the area too or did they like ship him in from somewhere? They shipped him in. Really? He, he was not local and at first he didn't want to admit it. First it was like, "No, I'm 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 Chevy Chase. I'm what you ordered." Like I, I interviewed and they're like, "Come on. Come on, guy. What's going on here? Like we we saw you. You're not Chevy Chase." And so uh, after a little bit of uh, you know, Police work, a little bit of a uh, in the in the room interrogation. They, they, he says, yeah, you're right, you caught me. Uh, I'm not uh, Chevy Chase. I'm John Travolta. What do you think? Do you to give me a shot? Well, and, you know, it's, so
0: you mentioned police work, right? So this is like impersonation. This is like a serious deal. It's fraud, it's, right? It's fraud. It's fraud. Right, it's the, fraud at the highest level.
1: This is fraud at the highest level. This is the this is the ultimate case of bait and switch. This is fraud. This is wrong. On every level,
0: right. So it's not like you're impersonating an officer. You're impersonating a Java developer. And so, what do you do, right? I mean, that that is a a law that's right, like you said. So, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna you call the police, put this guy in jail, tell him to go home? Uh, and then what do you do? You got to go find the real Chevy Chase and get him back here. What what do you do? Yeah, now?
1: I mean, listen, we're not gonna go all Magnum PI on everybody, okay? We're not gonna do a whole uh, Law and Order episode on the real guy all right? Uh, the bottom line is we've now wasted a lot of time and a lot of effort, okay? And at the end of the day, the client now still doesn't have a resource to bring in to, to, to do the delivery that they were being asked to do. So there's a whole lot of problems that we need to start correcting immediately. And so this is a, like you said, it's an epidemic, right? And so you guys,
0: as far as I've seen, you guys have always been very thorough in your processes and your vetting. And so it's almost
1: impossible. To avoid this, right? Because there's only so much control you have. Correct. Correct. And, th- and that's the thing. There is only so much one can do, okay? Clients expect you to vet the candidate fully, okay? And there is only a limited number of candidates for each sort of skill set, okay? We can't make up candidates. And In this case, they're trying to, but we can't make up new people. Okay, let's... Go ahead and take a break here. We would like to give a shout
0: out to this episode's sponsor, Dworsky Law Firm. Tony, in like 10 seconds or less, tell us why you, as an owner of a staffing
1: firm, like to use Dworsky Law. Oh, it's simple, easy, seamless, cost-effective, and you know what? They deliver. Great.
0: That's all we need to know. DworskyLaw.com. Check them out today. Okay, so we are back at it, right? The man behind the curtain. And so this problem, as we know, uh, it really stems from a lot of the third-party firms, right? Let's call them third-party firms. We're all aware of the situation. And so it's really, the United States provides a great opportunity to succeed. And so we get a lot of people that have an entrepreneurial spirit about them, which is Yeah, great, search right? for the
1: American dream, right?
0: Exactly. is that what it's about? Right. That's what, I mean, we're doing it ourselves, right? Doing it ourselves. So it's not fair to not let them provide as well. And so what typically happens is we get a lot of firms that kick up their shingle and they are basically trying to provide themselves with a new staffing organization. And to do that, they need to get these people billable. And they usually have the tie back to the homeland to bring the talent in. And we all know right now, Talent is at a shortage and so tell me then what happens what you see so these these firms they're all over the place right and so what they're, they're that, right?
1: all, Kevin they're all over the place okay because there's a lottery system right okay and everyone has to fill out their their quotas their petitions to get candidates to come to the United States to work okay and they might fill out 50 applications in hopes that they get maybe 12, 10 candidates to come over to the United States. And this is, I mean, they know that if they get the people in, then they can get them to work, Well, that's the the plan, is that they're going to invest, right? They're they're investing. These individuals are investing their time and money. They're using lawyers, similar to uh, the Dorsky Law Group and others, okay? And they're filling out these petitions and visa applications.
0: So what you're saying is these these companies, these third-party organizations, are basically going through that same process to bring the people here, and they basically just need to get them working, right?
1: Yeah, at any cost, because what we know is that between the legal costs, okay, the transportation costs, and the housing costs, that these firms, these entrepreneurs, as we want to call them, might have $25,000 invested in these individuals before they've even entered or started their job. Yeah, that's a big cost. And that's a big cost because you take that times 12, 10, 10, 12 people, and next thing you know, you have $300,000 laid out. So now the pressure is on the entrepreneurial, the business owner, to get these people working as fast as they can.
0: And so wouldn't you think, though, that if you're bringing people over that they're vetted or that they've got the skills. I mean, why, why bring somebody that is uh, Sylvester Stallone when really we need a pile of Chevy Chases?
1: Yeah, well, that's the million-dollar question. And I think what happens is, is that the, in the pile of Chevy Chases, there's actually one Sylvester Stallone. And one Sylvester Stallone is able to interview for the rest of Chevy Chases. And if they can get those other individuals billing, okay, they just need their, their concept, their whole idea is I just need them to get on that first project. If I can get them on their first project billing at a reputable client, i.e. a large insurance company in Illinois or a large financial service company in New York, if they can do that, that they know that that person will then be redeployable a lot easier. Right, and then at a higher rate. And right? at a higher
0: rate. So they don't really give two hoots what they get in as far as a rate. But if they can get six months in and they've got the experience behind them, then that candidate
1: becomes far more marketable. Far more marketable. Right. And so what happens is, is that that first job becomes impossible without sort of lying. Let's call it what it is. OK, it is complete fraud, their experience on their resume. Their resume becomes this wishing well, so to speak. OK, it is not based on real experience. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, that sounds like a, uh, a real problem. And so this kind of wrecks havoc on not only the staffing firm, right, because you're, you're trying to do your best job. It poses a problem with the client. Right. It puts egg on your face. Hopefully you've got a relationship where you can smooth that over and, re- and they realize these things happen and they're not going to hold you completely accountable because, I mean, there's only so much you can do as far as walking a person into, you know, to make yeah. sure they line up with the right picture and skills.
1: I mean, I'm fortunate. My clients, uh, I've had relationships with well over 10, 20 years now. And so, yes, there is a little margin for error. Uh, it's not something, though, that I want to make habit uh frankly uh but we they and you're right all clients uh understand the reality of our business they understand that we're at zero we're at negative unemployment when it comes to uh staffing in in certain skills mainly IT
0: so let me ask you this so where we've got a an economic environment where there is a very low unemployment rate And as you say, you know, there is a negative, especially in IT, right? Have you seen a scenario where the Sylvester Stallone shows up and the client's just like, "Ah, screw it,
1: let's just keep him." Absolutely. It's so funny you mentioned that. There are several times, I would say, more than I would care to like, frankly, where they're like, you know what, we're going to give this guy a shot. He's here. He's not what we thought, okay? But let's see if it works out. Now, to their credit, they know they have a two-week guarantee with my firm and many firms like uh, our firm. So, you say two-week guarantee. What you're saying
0: there is that uh, Sylvester Stallone, Chevy Chase, whoever shows up, they do the work, they don't make it on day nine. They're gone, and it costs them nothing.
1: It costs them nothing. Okay, so, you know, these clients, they've invested a lot of time, maybe several hours interviewing probably 10 candidates, maybe maybe a few less, but, but a fair amount, okay? They are not in the business of interviewing. They have lots of deliverables, lots of timelines, and they don't have the time to keep interviewing. So they are going to give these Sylvester Stallones the benefit of the doubt in many cases. They're going to give them a shot to stick. And in many cases, they do. Then why don't companies just... Be okay
0: with it. Right. If this Sylvester Stallone is sticking, but it's a problem, it's fraud, uh, some it sounds like some people just buy into it and say, Yeah, hey, what the hell? Let's just give it a shot and, and then we fill the problem. We we got a butt in a seat, the job's getting done, and everybody
1: wins. Yeah, everybody wins in the short term. Uh let let's not uh mislead anybody here. They win in the short term. I don't know if I would be excited or necessarily willing to deploy that individual again. I might let him or her walk and let somebody else sort of take over that responsibility. Listen, we're not in the business of trying to fool our clients, right? Uh, Reputation is all most business owners have. Uh, I could tell you right now, I won't utilize a third-party firm if I find out that they are ghosting individuals, ghosting candidates, and providing bait-and-switch candidates. It just isn't worth the time. It isn't worth my reputation. In many cases, while I have a nice relationship and a long-term relationship with my clients, we at our firm work with the idea that you're only as good as your last consultant. And I don't want that to be the last consultant. I don't want that to be leave the taste in our client's mouth that this is the type of individuals that we're going to provide on a regular basis. So while in the short term it might work, long term it's not good for the staffing firm and it's certainly not good for the client. And frankly, it's not good for the quality of individuals or the H1s that do do it the right way, that do have the experience, that do have the education and can provide a value-added delivery. Yeah,
0: and it's probably difficult to sift that out unless you know them personally and you're visiting them or they're close by. I mean, if you're working with a firm that is in another part of the states, and you know, how do you know? You don't know. You right? don't. It's know. a lot of
1: trust. It's a lot of trust, and it's a lot of it's a lot of guessing, and it's a lot of crossing your fingers and you know and praying, right? A firm has to make a decision on how they want to utilize resources and what is important to them. For our firm, we have made a shift. We've made the culture shift. I think we talked about just briefly about the, in the beginning about the, the paradigm of, of speed, quality, and delivery, right? In, in consulting and in, in, in staffing, uh, oftentimes those three things are sort of the key factors. And you always say, we need to choose two of those, right? We want two of the three, okay? Well, the speed will never change. We have to be quick on our feet. We have to be able to provide our clients' candidates quickly, okay? So that will never go by. And they need to be able to deliver, okay? Where we have changed the paradigm at our firm is over price, okay? The cheapest resources bar none, if we're keeping it real, are H-1Bs. You can get two people to do the exact same job, a Java developer with five years' experience, a U.S. citizen green card will cost you $85 an hour, and an H-1 will cost you 55 to 60 Okay? So you're saving yourself, what is it, 25
0: 30%? By going with the... H-1. Right. So what you're saying is uh, maybe overcoming this type of scenario could be saying, hey, listen, the market is what it is. We're just going to throw the rate out there that is the right rate for the role, and you, client, need to decide, listen, I'll pay more, but I know what I'm getting. I'm not going to get – it could be anybody I'm getting otherwise, and it's maybe less experienced or uh, a bait-and-switch scenario, but in your case, you're you're taking that different approach, and that's one way to overcome – scenario is really just eliminate that potential possibility
1: yeah i mean the learning experience for our firm and is that you need to avoid the bait and switch altogether and the way to avoid the bait and switch is simply not to work with h1s okay well
0: that makes sense so that's that's one option so let's let's talk let's move into um how how else can this be eliminated? Right there's so when you and I met at staff, or we didn't meet, we'd know each other longer. But when we when we were there at Staffing Tech, which is uh, Maurice Fuller's project, little shout out to Maurice. Um, yo yo Maurice, <laughs> he'll love to hear that. So at Staffing Tech. There's all about technology, right? So there's there's a lot of different things that are coming into our environment that have automated selection, the recruiting, and there's certain human elements that just won't be replaced. But there are some tools out there, we believe, that can help eliminate this problem or at least try to minimize it, right? So are there any that come to you at the
1: forefront that might be worthwhile discussing? Well, Kevin, I mean, I don't know if there really is a technology that can eliminate the bait and switch problem. Yeah, we did see a few, like,
0: uh, you know, I'll throw a plug out there for Spark Hire, their local firm. They do have a video interviewing platform, but, you know, again, I, we didn't talk to them directly, and maybe there's a, a something they can do there, but I, I think you're right. A lot of these technologies that we did see at the show uh, really did not focus on you know, the bait-and-switch issue.
1: Yeah, I mean, in my mind, what firms need to do if they want to continue to work with candidates that are H1s, I think they have to do a really strong job of vetting the people they work with, okay? That means they're third-party vendors, having a referral program in place to reward those firms that are providing true, honest hardworking individuals that what they say they can do, can do. Okay. I think that's
0: really important. So you're saying that, you know, like a client says, Hey, this, I've worked with this person. They're a great person. Uh, They may be working for a third party or uh, not a U.S. citizen, but they're a quality individual. And so from that perspective, you're like all in.
1: Absolutely. I I talk to my clients every day about the people they have employed with them, whether they are uh, working for my firm or not. Uh, They're good, they're bad, and they're indifferent because I want to know for future reference whether uh, people are credible and whether they can be redeployable. At the end of the day, we want to make sure that these candidates that are good are redeployed versus those that uh, may not be. We want to. We want to eliminate those from the pile. Well, then, good. So, on that note, what's your one takeaway? Yeah, my one takeaway is is mitigate your risk. Okay, do what you can as a firm to give yourself the best chance at providing a service to your client. Uh, one that is true. One that is ethical. And one that promises or close to promises the opportunity to get more business from your client. Great, yeah, that sounds good. Well, uh, the next
0: one I'm actually really excited about. So if you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to check us out on Instagram and on LinkedIn. We are out there. Again, I am Kevin O'Brien and we have Tony Sherwood here. And next episode is gonna be a fun one. We are gonna discuss that one huge dilemma that every firm that I work with, especially, has: who is the right sales profile? How do we hire the right salespeople? What is it that makes this person do well? Right? We've all had the scenario where we've hired the people, and maybe they weren't the fit, and uh, that's a cyclical problem that I think every company faces. And so, we're going to talk in detail about that. We've got some fun stuff ahead of us, and. Until next time, Staff Room Recruiting, The Real Life.
1: Tony, any final words? Yeah, just uh, thanks a lot for listening. Uh, Look forward to your feedback. Love constructive criticisms. Uh, Would love your questions. We'll respond to anything that seems appropriate. And uh, to the next time, this is Tony Sherwood. And Kevin O'Brien. And thank you again, Dwarsky Law.
0: We'll see you next time.